0: everyone. John Whitehead joins us from the Rutherford Institute. He is an attorney and author who has written, debated, and practiced widely in the area of constitutional law, human rights, and popular culture. He's widely recognized as one of the nation's most vocal and involved civil liberties attorneys. Now, today, we're going to talk about a subject that usually has crickets, because no one wants to pay attention to it. We're going to talk about sex trafficking, and we're also going to talk about how social media plays a huge role in helping people who are part of this billion-dollar industry that has to do with sex trafficking, our kids, and using social media to do so. So please stay tuned. you need this information. Thanks for joining us. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta walker Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years, and we have amazing co-hosts. Oh, we promised we'd be cordial. John Whitehead, thank you so much for agreeing to come on this podcast with Dr. Lisa Day and I.
1: Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to turn this over. This is Kristen. I'm going to turn this over to Dr. Day because this was something, this is near and dear to my heart too, but this was something that you brought to my attention. So I know you've got um, a list of questions. So go ahead, Lisa.
2: Yeah, I sure do. You know, and Kristen, you know I've been a therapist for over twenty five years and I deal with all kinds of trauma and sexual abuse and addictions. And one of the things that strikes me, John, when I came across your article on sex with children, you know, being big business in America, a ten billion dollar business, in fact, was the atrocity with how easy it is for us to turn our back on it. That it's so gross and so horrifying that many of us are pretending like it's not happening. And so one of the reasons I wanted to have you here today and to to explore with you your thoughts and your your discoveries in this process is to look at, how can we as Americans how can we as people begin to look toward this take action toward helping not only the victims but but the Johns and the people who are involved in it because it's a it's a it's a disease that's infecting us at many levels so I, I so appreciate you being here and and you know I guess to start you know with, with it being a topic that we don't really want to talk about is when you think of human trafficking how how would you describe human trafficking to the lay public
1: human trafficking is using um well, my articles focus on children, but using young children as, as early as uh, four years old, uh, and uh, you know, making money from having sex with them, and the uh, it's a phenomenon that's incredibly widespread uh, through all levels of government. By the way, many government officials. Uh, and you're talking to someone who's uh, sued <laughs> politicians out of Washington, D.C. and across the country, including uh, one president, I did win a case, it was Bill Clinton, uh, with his sexual um, problems. And uh, I've sat down with a number of people working in and out of government, and they tell me that it's worse than actually, I think, uh, in terms of adults. And Uh, the police are involved. If people, you know, again, I've written on this, I I wrote an article called predator cops. You can go to our website later. We can give you out the website. You can read that, but, uh, the police are involved. Um, families are involved. Foster families are involved. Uh, so it's, it's a business, but, uh, we've, what we've done uh, basically is we've allowed technology to now uh, dictate what children see and what children are seeing on, uh, their, their, cell phones or laptops, even on television, is things I didn't see while I was uh, in college, right. a lot of part of my years in college. And uh, what we've done, again, I've studied this. There's an excellent book, by the way, called The Disappearance of Childhood by a fellow named Neil Postman, who was a professor at NYU, who wrote a book early, uh, again, and like I said, 37 years ago in 1982, when I first read it, and I read it that year, I was shocked at what he was saying, but I said, this couldn't be true. And what he was saying about what was, what was coming over the uh, horizon, if he were alive today, he would, he would be looking at me going, I tried to tell you. you know? <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. the thing is, is that uh, it's, it's a big business. It's, a, it's how we view people. We've changed. Uh, te- again, technology is driving a lot of this. Kids are addicted to their cell phones. They're doing twerking, if you know what that is. Uh, yeah. They're doing these things called TikToks. I've seen a few of those parents have sent to me and they're shocked at what their kids are doing in bathing suits, but looks like underwear thrusting their thighs toward a camera. Uh, And the, you know, the pedophiles are out there watching, they're waiting, they make money off of it. Uh, It's something that's uh, not controlled anymore. Uh, We used to have a society that was based on a moral code that would say that's shameful. If you saw, girls, eight and nine year old girls using as models today. I mean, I walk by some of these uh, stores in the mall and I look over and in the window is a young girl, maybe 10. I don't know. She's in underwear. And I'm going, what in the heck are you people doing? What are we we trying to do here? So what we're doing is we're shoving children into adulthood at an early age. What adults, what we want to call adults, I'm not sure I want to call them adults. Some of these people, 40 and 50 years old are sex nuts. But uh, we're making children uh, into objects, into adults early on. There's no distinction. And if you've studied history in the Middle Ages, uh, uh, back in the 1500s, uh, there was no childhood. Childhood's only been around like 150 years, mm-hmm. uh, where children are, are protected from it. You go into the Middle Ages and eras like that. children sat in common rooms were followed by adults. So again, there are good books out there that have chronicled this but we've lost our moral code in this country. It's gone. I mean, the religious institutions, listen, (laughs) turn a blind eye to this too. I don't hear any major, this is, this is a subject I've written on. It's out there. Major religious institutions, I hear them saying nothing about it. They're not talking about that. Adults are totally distracted by the distractions coming out of Washington, DC. And again, you're talking to somebody who's filed lawsuits over 40 years. I know, uh, we're distracted by the TV sets. We're not focusing on the real issues. We're not educated anymore, in the true sense of the word, on what's going on. And um, listen, the country is. People are worried about Iran. They're worried about Russia and all that bunch of bull crap. What we should be worried about, what's going to cause the country to collapse, is the moral collapse. Let me quote another great historian named Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World, but he also wrote a book called Brave New World Revisited where he goes and he he predicted a lot of what we're seeing today, but he says as sexual freedom increases, political freedom decreases. And what he was saying is, is that when the society becomes so into sex and things like that, they're not watching what the leaders are doing and the, you know, we're moving toward, in my opinion, toward an authoritarian, totalitarian government. And as I write in my books, and I've written over 30 books, by the way, uh, dealing with uh, our total surveillance state. And the people running the chat the and behind, there, there's there's an Oz behind everything, by the way. <laughs> there's someone behind Oz. Uh, this country is run by major corporations. They want money, and that's all they want. They don't give a darn about uh, morality or freedom. They want your money. and If they can sell kids, they'll do it. You know something? We're allowing them to do it when we buy their product.
2: Well, and what you're saying too is that, you know, our, our society is feeding the beast, if you will. So we talk about the domain. are feeding the beast, yeah. It is yeah, a beast. Yeah, we're feeding the beast, yeah. And I like how you, in your article, you talk about the pornification of a generation that we all want to point our fingers on these creeps that are, you know, seeking sex with children, yet we are marketing and, and advertising the pornification yeah. of a generation. And so, you know, as a society, um, that's tragic and and, and, and terrifying. And, and I, I agree with you when you say that the, the stronger that gets, the weaker the political stance is. And I believe united we stand, divided we fall. And when we're eating our own as we are doing in this sex trade trafficking dynamic, it can't help but bring further destruction.
1: Yeah, and you can't raise a free generation. That was what Alice Hooksy was talking about. If the The main thing you're preoccupied is with sex and materialism, which is the basis of American society now. As I said, I'm when I look at again. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs to people saying, "Hey, this is crazy! It's a ten billion dollar year business, as you said. Girls as young, young as four years old, kids getting snatched off of driveways, uh, foster homes pushing kids through, even for, even actual parents selling their kids. So, well, uh, and, then, it, and, and, and I, listen, what people need to do is I'll go back again is get up the speed on this thing. There's some things you may be able to do, but you're going to have to get together. And when I say do some political kick butt.
2: Well, and I think that the large majority of people want to think that this happens to um, homeless kids who are on the street abusing drugs. And I think that, you know, more and more, you know, with TV and and, um, what have you, we're learning that, you know, the McCann's in Portugal, you know, a very affluent family at a very beautiful vacation resort, they've yet to find their daughter who was abducted. And we find, you know, um, middle-class families it's not just the kids who have run away and are on the streets you know work in the system already the kids are being recruited you know through social media through Facebook through Instagram yeah. and being you know swept right up and I think that you know one of the biggest myths that is frustrating for me as a clinician and as someone who gets very passionate about this dynamic is everybody wants to think it's happening over there it's only in Cambodia right it's only in, in LA or Dallas and what I try to emphasize is, no, it's in Boise, Idaho. It's in Sun Valley, Idaho. It's everywhere. And, you know, the, the, the current of it is I think that people want to turn their backs on it. And So I, I agree. Education, reaching out. I mean, who would you say, you know, I think that people have a, a, a biased view on who are the men who are buying this sex. In your opinion, John, who are those men?
1: <laughs> this is across the board. Listen, uh, a sting done in Florida not too long ago revealed uh, policemen, pastors, politicians, I mean, you know, the Catholic Church is in and out of this mess all the time, as anybody who reads the news knows. Uh, with with this particular problem, and it is it's it's pedophilia, but uh, it's across the board. I mean, it is a huge business. It's uh, a society without restraint anymore, and um, it's not like I say. If if again, we people do not want to know this, basically. When when I'm talking about something, I say, "Oh, this couldn't be true," and then I point to the studies. The Washington Post, the L.A. Times, and these are, these people are writing on it. But when you turn on CNN, Fox, you don't hear about any of this.
2: Oh no, no. We you hear about,
1: about Donald Trump's latest blurt or whatever he's doing, or whatever politicians blowing steam at somebody. But again, uh, they don't care about that. The the average person running this country, the corporations, they have so much money. They're flying around on jets, going to parties, sometimes dealing with young. Girl slaves. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, if you know who he is, people like that, followed that Bill Clinton flying over to his estate on and off. Uh, th- these are things that, uh, again, the police don't seem to be <laughs> worried about it. Congress is not saying much about it. Uh, well, think- and the question is why not?
2: Well, and I think one of the things that was um, surprising to me when I was doing some more research preparing for this is that, you know, as a clinician especially, you know, we think, oh, it's the pedophiles. And yet it's important to realize that not all pedophiles are going to pay children for sex and not all people who pay for sex with children are pedophiles. But what was stunning to me was that the average John, if you will, in one study I read was between, and maybe this was in your article as well, John, is between 30 and 40 years old and has a wife and kids. Um, Yes. And it's more of an opportunistic sexual encounter. I mean they're right around us. There are our, our soccer coaches. There are pastors. There are and and the secrecy of it and how we're, you know, looking over it again, I believe, is our, our one of our main problems and challenges.
1: And the thing is, you know, I've had uh, some some uh, women who, you know, are married to men and I, they've actually contacted me saying my husband's watching porn to three AM in the morning. And I'm going, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you knew my mother, <laughs> she had a big foot. She'd have kicked my dad out of the house. He wasn't like that, but she would have. So uh, they'd have done something about it. But they're, they're saying, watch just porn to 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm going, well, you think that's good for him? you know? <laughs> uh, but the point is, it's everywhere. And, and, again, I've written on this going back into the uh, late 50s and 60s when Playboy magazine popped down. And uh, by the time I got to college, you know, at that point in time, my senior year, you know, uh, Playboy was being handed around the college campuses with nude women talking about sex with this and sex with that. So it started a long time ago. And again, it was allowed. I mean, people just put up with it, you know. And the question is... um, it's, it's like a disease. It's like a bacteria. Once it gets in the body, it starts eating away. It's like a flesh eating disease. And that's what we're facing today. And, and again, I go back, Alice Huxley's right. We're going to collapse this country. If you studied, uh, by the way, going back in here studying Rome, the end, the end era of Rome uh, was a sex era. I mean Caligula would go through Rome on a chariot masturbating and the public would cheer. Those are facts. When you would walk into many Roman homes there were genitals over the door. Sex was what they were preoccupied. So once you move in that direction, and we're in that direction right now, we're consumed by it, and it's going to get worse. It's it's out there now. It's in everybody's face. When you go to movies or whatever, I mean, why do they have ratings on movies?
2: Or in your living room on TV.
1: In TV. When I was yeah. a kid, you know, everybody could go to a movie together. Today, you can't take a kid to most movies now, even so-called kid movies, PG-13. You don't know what words are going to drop, what sex scenes people are going to be in, implied stuff. So,
2: I experienced that it, just on the TV in my living room, and it's just, it's not HBO or anything. I just think that looks like porn. I'm just not seeing sexual body parts. But for all practical purposes, that is porn. But what do you think? My about,
1: wife and I recently were uh, went, to, you know, Manhattan, went to Broadway and saw a couple of plays. They were doing, they, they were, uh, The phrase is humping on stage. They didn't have their clothes off, but I'm going. That's on Broadway. <laughs> well, and so, <laughs> what,
2: what do you think? How is it that, or you know, you know, from a legal standpoint of view, or you know, it's just appalling to me that you know the 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 women, but in our case here, our, our biggest concern, right, in this conversation, not that the women aren't of my concern but they're advertised on the internet, you know, and then they're transported oh, yeah. and sold, you know, in these nasty hotels. And, and how is it, you know, or where do we intervene or is it possible to intervene with that advertisement or is that just ongoing, you know, goes under the black web or what have you, but how is it that they can be advertised or what is the litigation or what kind of legal process is involved in um, taking those kinds of websites or those kinds of advertising down?
1: Well, it depends on what what laws in your states, the federal laws, all those laws are extremely weak, number one. Number two is if they're a private corporation, you know, you run into the problem of that, you know. Uh, if, If you could directly relate a harm to a particular corporation or entity, you'd have a lawsuit. But what we're just talking about is coming in every direction. It's a full spectrum. It's coming from every direction, not just here or there. So it'd be very difficult saying, Oh, well, they caused my daughter to be done or this to happen because it's, a total societal problem. And, uh, we keep looking for solutions like how are we going to fight this, fight that? But what I'm saying is it's everywhere. The only way you're going to be able to turn this thing off is to, uh, I mean, to do this is turn this thing off. I mean, it's, it's what they're seeing visually. Uh, we no longer have local communities. Everything is subsumed in the internet and whatever. And then you have the internet trying to get rid of people they don't agree with, calling them hate agents because they may, uh, Facebook or Google may, may disagree with them, but they allow porn. So, again, you're, we're ruled by corporate giants, I'll go up may say it again, who make a lot of money and the, the government's run. Listen, there was a 2014, 2014 study by Princeton University and Northwestern University. They studied 20, 20 years of practices, laws passed in Washington, D.C. They came to the conclusion we are ruled by a money elite, which they called an oligarchy, a money-to-oligarchy. And basically, everything is run by by 535 billionaires on both sides. So, you think you're voting for a Democrat or Republican, but you're not. You're voting for a corporation, and that corporation doesn't want to be stopped from doing what they're doing because they make too much money off of sex.
2: Well, and I think, I think you stated that as well. I believe it was your article that, that the porn industry brings in more money than Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Apple, and Yahoo. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, what, let me ask you this question. Do you think that legalization of prostitution has increased the demand, or do you believe that that might be separate?
1: Well, um, I think it's part and parcel of it. I don't, you know, whether it's separate or not. Yeah, it's not. Again, prostitution's uh, different than sex trafficking. I mean, in prostitution, well, not necessarily. Again, I, again, I'm a lawyer. I've dealt. I've, I've helped women and some of these women in this area. Uh, prostitutes, a lot of them are beaten, drugged with heroin, beaten around. they treat treated like animals. They they throw them on the ground, kick them. Uh, the pimps do. Uh, and again, that's a big business in this country. Uh, and a lot of it, you, you, it people ask me if it's really voluntary. Well, a lot of women today, if you snatch some uh, young girl off of a driveway and she's 13 or 14, put her into the sex trade, beat her and whatever, by the time she's 18 or 19, that's her way of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, she's on drugs. They drug them. They beat them. Well, well, and, I know I show, that they- and again, in my articles, I show that. I actually cite some of those cases.
2: Well, and I know that um, Meyer Clinics, the corporation that I'm involved with, um, has a the Naomi House there in Chicago, and it's a residential year-long program for, for women trying to get out of that um, business, and it's not an easy feat. I mean, it, as you say, no. it becomes – a lifestyle for them and the trauma is so profound and so deep that rehab is very difficult. It's a challenging process. And, and I don't think that here in America, or at least I haven't come across it yet that, that we're sufficiently meeting the need of rehabbing or helping those, you know, come out of it. I mean, I was floored to read the statistic that what the average lifespan of a child who's brought into that world is six years and, and and Lord knows how many times she'd been raped, you know, 6,000 or something along those lines.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Thousands of times. And they do 10 to 15 times a day. They're, they're having sex and sometimes more than that. And, uh, as I cited one of the four year old girl, they were expanding her vagina so she could have more sex. Ugh. Uh, but you're de- here. Let me say this. You're dealing with monsters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Monsters. We've created a society of monsters who have no respect for women or kids of any kind. Okay. And, uh, it's it's in the films, it's everywhere, and again, this is a culture, you you want to say you want to pull back, but it's it's going to be very, very difficult unless your average American gets up, you know, gets angry and does something about it on a local level. That's the only hope that I see, basically.
2: John, what are the challenges to arresting the buyers, the Johns? What are the challenges that we face? It's...
1: Listen, as I show in my article, Predator Cops, if the police would do their job, they could clean up a lot of this. But uh, in numerous cases that I've cited in other articles where policemen are pulling over and forcing women to have sex and stuff like that, it's permeated uh, law enforcement agencies now. It's in the military, it's in the academies, the military academies where women are complaining they're getting raped. Uh, It's a standard now. and there is no moral guide to pull it back. I mean, the if, if you have the churches involved uh, and some pastors and some pastors are involved and in whatever that we're seeing some of these things, it's. Uh, I mean, I just again, I'm a father of five kids, you know, and I, and I you know, again, it's. I, I look at this and I'm saying what are we doing in this country? Can't we pull it back? But you're not going to do it. The average American watches 150 hours of television a month, and once they're consumed and addicted, it's an addiction. I mean, some Absolutely. recent psychiatrists have come out now and said the Facebook thing with children is an addiction. I mean, the suicide rate among kids is high as it's ever been, teenagers.
2: Kristen and I have put together A presentation just on that of the, you know, the association between social media, um, cell phone use and suicide epidemic. It's up, what, 70 percent since the introduction social media. And this is another avenue that is, you know, a huge concern is that, you know, we can educate our teens. And by the grace of God, my kids are 18 and 21 now. And I just breathe that, oh my goodness, we've gotten through all of those potential years of, you know, here I've met a great friend and I'm going to meet him at the park. And, you know, I I live in, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale and I remember in Fort Lauderdale, yeah, she was meeting her friend at the park, all right, only to find herself in the trunk of a car being taken to, you know, one of the rings there in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, and so when I listen to you and, and one of the things that I think frightens me as I listen to you. And it's probably my concern in general is it, you know, I hear that it, it is monumental. It is everywhere. We're dealing with monsters. We're dealing with beasts. What do we do? You know, what do we do as a culture? I mean, we educate. And, and I was talking to Kristen before you, you jumped on this morning and I was saying I have this heartfelt passion to put a educational program together that we can take to the elementary schools, but no one wants to Good talk idea. about sex Good idea. Right, and how can we educate that? No, you—you know who you're talking to online is not necessarily who you're talking to, or the stranger, or the bus stop, or the—I mean, my daughter works here in the ski resort, and earlier this year there was three men that kept approaching her. She's renting ski boots, and her uh, her boss ultimately came up to her and said, "I want you to call your mother, and I want you to go home because I believe those men have nothing good in mind, and it's time for you to remove yourself." And that's right here in our beautiful little ski resort valley of you know Sun Valley. And so, what do we do? We educate, um, uh, take steps with parent, legislature. What do we do as a parent? Culture?
1: Parents need, first of all, we need to wake the parents up. We can get the information out there, but parents need to do their job. Parents need to watch what their kids are watching. They need to instruct their kids. They need to take that cell phone away and set it in a box and say, Hey, we're not doing this. When I go into restaurants now, I see whole families sitting and, wa- and reading a cell phone. They're not talking to one another. Uh, it's, we're, creating an idiocracy. Okay. That's what I, you know, again, that's not my term, but that's what some people are calling it. Uh, the thing is, is that par- if parents would start doing their job. That'd be great. We're going to have to educate parents. We're going to have to get the information out there. That's again why I'm writing this. I'm telling you, the, the articles I've written on it, it'd be good to put those together and, and send them to your local city council, send them out, get them out in the information. Hopefully go down to your, meet with your local city editor of the newspaper, publish this please, sir. <laughs> <laughs> please well, publish and, this in your newspaper, sir. And you know, you're you going to have a tough time getting them to do it, by the way. Well,
2: so, I, I, I like that though. It, my because...
1: Parents need to do their job. I mean, that's again, when I was growing up, I was made to have imagination play. I wasn't, I didn't see any porn stuff or any of that. I wasn't allowed to even get near that stuff because my parents did their job. Uh, the problem today though, when, you, when I talk to some of these teenagers and they're telling me what, again, what they're watching and I'm looking at I'm going, that's not a good idea. And they look at me like, you're an old fogey. What are well, you talking about?
2: And I'll tell you, as a seasoned psychologist and a mother, um, back in the day, you know, our household was no media before dark. And you can monitor that until they're sixth, seventh grade, and then they can take off on their own. But one of my concerns, really, as a psychologist, is what you referred to a few moments ago that our culture, our youth, are becoming more attached to the actual device of the cell phone than they are to real life, meaningful experiences with others. And my concern. Yeah you know when we talk about this monster and this beast is that with that social media we're seeing a continued decrease in lack for concern that one has on other people a lack of empathy and then obviously yeah selfies and all these butt shots, if you will, are twerking online. And so for me as a psychologist watching the growth of our culture, my concern is that we are breeding a culture of narcissistic sociopaths, the most dangerous combination of a personality disorder that exists. And so when I hear you talk about the monumental size of this growing, ever increasingly growing problem, and we combine that with the negative side effects or the negative components of social media and cell phone use, as a culture, it terrifies me, you know, what, what are we, what are we creating? And, and, and at the same time, I love in your article, John, how, you know, we'd like to point it to um, pedophiles or we'd like to point it to um, those bad people. But I do believe, and I agree with you that we, as a culture, by turning our back on this and not taking a look at what we're breeding are a part of the problem. And how can we then oh. turn it to become a part of the solution?
1: Well, the the key here, and again, there was a great writer in the 60s and 70s, Marshall McLuhan had forgotten him, but he talked about television. He talked about Narcissus. He said, Narcissus did not not fall in love with himself. He fell in love with his image. And the thing with the cell phones and the kids doing these things, these videos of themselves, they fall in love with their image. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're, they're basically sacrificing everything for that. So again, it's, yeah, it's, a, we're a narcissistic society. And again, empathy is a key word you're using there. This is, our society has lost total empathy. I mean, and here's another thing that people must realize. Again, I've read, I've written a book called Battlefield America, where I talked about the rise of artificial intelligence. It's running the internet now. You're being, robots are, are directing all this, even the porn, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the rise of digi, uh, digisexuals, I don't know if you've heard that term, but I sex have. with robots. Mm-hmm is a big trade now. I know people don't realize it, but um, it's men having sex with female robots, and what does that say if they, one of their primary sources of sex is a machine? What does that say that when they look at that female human being walking down the street? How do they, how do they distinguish between her and that so-called robot they're having oh, sex with?
0: It's the same
1: just- thing, they don't care. They can well, smash never, their head against the wall, they can beat them up, and they can walk out. But one of the real problems, and I'm t- telling you this, is, and I, again, I deal with people working work in this area, is the so-called government officials, a lot of them are involved in this as well, in and out terrible. of Washington, D.C., police, et cetera. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. So our so-called government officials... James Madison, who wrote our Bill of Rights, made a really great statement. I tell people this is the thing when you look at your government and what's going on today or anywhere, we ought to mistrust all those in power. Trusting anybody in power today is an absurdity. Do not do that. I mean, uh, if you want to be a patriot, you want to protect your kids, you want to fight for freedom, don't start putting your hand up and Heil Hitler any leader, okay, because you can't trust human beings today, you you say loss of empathy. I see very little empathy coming out any politician's mouth today, caring about the little people.
2: And zero concern for the impact that they have on others. And when you speak exactly. about the, the robotic prostitutes or what have you, you know, it comes back to you know my my concerns. If you go to call Carl Jung and Union, that not only you know are we having a lack of empathy and a loss of of uh, concern for the impact that we have on other people, but that image is a false self. So it's built built in a falsity. We all know. Regardless of where you come from spiritually, that the truth shall set you free. And yet, the image is not based on truth. The behaviors are not based on truth. And as you're saying here, those in power are not operating based in truth. Scary. It's a scary situation.
1: No, like I can say it. I'll go back and say it again. The government's run by, listen, Google. Google admits they have a million billion dollar contracts with the NSA. Amazon has billion billion dollar contracts with the Pentagon, building all their intelligence clouds, which they have access to. So these large internet corporations out of Silicon Valley are running the show. Okay, mm-hmm. and you know a People, and again, I admit, all they want is your money. They don't care if they're degrading children, they're, you know, you're, they're having sex, as long as they can make their bucks off of what they're selling you. And that's porn, that's the cell phone, that's whatever they're doing over television or whatever. And, uh, again, I'm telling you, if the audience listening to this, if, you, if you're gullible enough to believe what you see on TV, then uh, you might want to find a good counselor who can wake you up. <laughs>
2: So, so if, so given this astrosity, by the way,
1: I don't watch television, so, well, folks.
2: <laughs> I, I can, I can relate to you on that one. I bought my first TV when I turned 50 and so, and then it took me another year to figure out how to turn it on. So I'm right there with you. But so given the monster that we're dealing with and given this, um, a misuse of power and the focus on really just a lucrative, you know, income. If you were to give three, five things that our average listener could say, this is where I can begin to take action, you know, I absolutely I would love the articles that you would pass on to us and I would be happy to distribute them. But if you were to give five or even three things that we can do immediately to begin to address this beast, what would those be, John?
1: Well, education precedes action, always, okay? Get educated on these issues. Read what's out there. Study it. I mean, you don't have to be a genius, you know, to get to read the basic facts and know what's going on. And uh, the government in Washington, D.C., by the way, again, like I say, it's run by the billionaires. They, they're they not going to listen very much. They only listen to large mass movements, and if you're too good at it, they, they'll do their best to, to move you on or arrest you or whatever. Like I say, the great historical figures who actually had impacts like, Martin Luther King and others, the FBI secretly watched them and were trying to destroy them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you can do is uh, be a very effective on the, lo- you can be effective on the local level. And I would telling people, like, get some of the information, my articles, whatever you're out there, get them, p- send them to your local city council, then get you a group together. You can give it a name, whatever you want to give it, you know, uh, care for children or whatever you want to give the name. Go down there and t- demand that. They set up a particular committee, an oversight committee, to, to investigate what's happening in their local communities, and these are citizens, not government officials will be doing this, and have oversight committees, and uh, when, you, when these girls disappear, and they do disappear, some of them are found in lakes, chopped up afterwards, by the way, I'm seeing this all over the country, um, dead, buried, or whatever, after they've been used and uh, get these uh, guys who are sitting on city councils, uh, making money off of you, and make them do their job. And uh, that would be also activating the police and making sure the police are straight on this. But everything starts at the local level, and that's all you can do at this particular point in time. And get the information out there, Uh, get your groups. One one thing that the uh, government does not like and politicians hate is groups that are aimed at them with picket signs, and people getting out there pointing at them saying, do your job. And again, I'm a constitutional lawyer. You have a First Amendment right to do that, to peacefully assemble and petition your government for a redress of grievances. But most Americans don't do that today. Again, they're sitting on their butts watching the screen device. And it's going to mean turning your TV off. I'd say, listen, people say, the average American watches 150 hours of television a month. I say, give me one third of those hours, protect our children. One third of those hours, turn it off. Get out there, get down, get active in your government because your government's not caring for you, not if they're allowing local government officials, including police and some government officials, rape children.
2: Well, and and it's interesting. I like your phrase, protect our children. Now, you know, as you said, come up with a group name, protect our children. (laughs) At at the same time, you know, I get concerned because, you know, both in your article and other research that, you know, they'll say that this is one of the fastest growing businesses of organized crime. And that's scary, you know. You want to mess with organized crime, like you said, you might disappear. And so, you might I, disappear. You might disappear. So, I really like the suggestion of how can we protect our children rather than going in and trying to fight the beast. Well, um, and,
1: I fight these things all the time. I've had, had former NSA agents meet with me, and they say you're going to get knocked off, Whitehead. I mean, they tell me that. I mean, I, was I had just a former CIA agent that. contact me not too long ago. He said I was a hitter. You know, I, I knocked people off and. I'm surprised you're still alive. But you know what? My response is, I'd rather go down that way than go down, not doing nothing. You know, if there is a heaven, I want to be able to walk through and and whoever's at the gate say, Hey, you did a good job, man. Go on in. Yeah. And I want to help people and empathy is the key. We're here to do one thing, help one another. We're not here to make money. We're not here to be hotshots. We're here to help each other. And who needs our help now? The kids need our help because they're getting, their lives destroyed.
2: Well, and I know that, you know, again, circling back to that lack of empathy, lack of concern for the impact that we have on others, you know, locally as a clinician, it's quite interesting for me to really, I have to actively teach that concept of compassion, you know, kids have no idea what compassion is. It's all competition, yeah. competition, comparison, and that image that is perceived by others. And we speak of this, you know, concept of compassion, and it's it's increasingly becoming a, a rare thing. But um,
1: yeah, because we're listen, we listen. We're starting to reflect the machines that run us again. I'll go back and say it again. Artificial intelligence is running much of the internet now, and I'll give you clues. Okay, you go on and type in, and you on your so-called Facebook feed, and you. Look at an article and you read it. Go back 10 minutes later and you'll see other articles feeding through. They're watching you, okay? Because, again, they're, they're trying to make money off of you. And it's greed. It's materialism. And what will save this country is spiritualism, empathy, and compassion. And, listen, when I talk to young people today, they, again, they ask me, what's the most important thing I can do? I said, take care of the, the person next to you. You know, if someone's fallen down, it's a good Samaritan principle which is a great principle, the fellow fallen by the road. The, the, he took the person fallen by the road, took him to a hotel, took care of him, paid him, and said, I'll come back later and check on you. Okay? Most Americans can't do that because they got their heads down mm-hmm. into, a, into a screen device.
2: Into a screen device. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Kristen and I have talked about this on another um, podcast as well, is that, you know, we talk about attachment dynamics are key f- to connection, empathy, compassion, and all those wonderful qualities. But we are, we are increasingly becoming a detached, um, mm-hmm. an avoidant detached society, which is just, again, well, you know,
1: Well, the main connection with kids today is to that cell phone and to whatever's pushing behind that cell phone information into their head. Right. And what did Philip K. Dick, the great science fiction writer say, if if, uh, a society can control thoughts, they can, you know, if they can control words, they control your thoughts. And they can try to control kids' thoughts. And like I say, it's messing up kids' brains and the suicide rate's soaring.
0: It is. John, where can our listeners find out more about you?
1: I have a website at Rutherford.org. That's Rutherford.org. And um, the articles we're talking about are on the website. And I say grab them, send them to your city council. And, uh, again, I've done a number of books where I talk about these matters. But I will give you a warning. I mean, I've been doing this for 40 years. This is the worst I've ever seen it. We're repeating the regimes of old, which all collapsed Mm -hmm. into horror.
0: And that's what's frightening. Thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to do this show with us. One of the questions I I wanted to ask you, and you answered it already, was, um, you know, uh, how careful you've had to be with yourself because you're someone talking about this. <laughs> so I don't want to discourage listeners from jumping in and, and doing this. Um, there's, you know, there is safety in numbers. So that's why I think... There's
1: safety in numbers. Get yeah. your friends together. I mean, uh, one one fellow with a sign at a city council meeting is considered a weirdo. Three with the same signs considered a movement, and they'll start listening to you.
0: Mm, good, good, and terrific advice, Lisa Day. Thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. I mean, it was already to my attention, but bringing John, wanting to bring him on the show, I appreciate that, and thank you both for coming on the show today,
1: Kristen. Thank, thank you.
0: And John, thank you so very much
2: for really lighting the fire and giving us some direction. I look forward to those articles and look forward to moving forward with protecting our children.
1: Thank you very much. I do too.
2: Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all, we
0: promised we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I I can fight. Good boy.